Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. All right, I know the last episode, we talked about how rough it was, and Jason did some magic in post, so... (laughs) Several of you seem not to care, and I appreciate that. Either you're lying to me, which I also appreciate, um, or I'm just my own harshest critic. So, I mean, we do have some nice fans, so maybe they were just being nice. They were probably being nice. <laughs> There's like some secret um, Facebook group out there where they're all talking <laughs> bad about us. Like, oh my gosh, what was that crap last week? Oh, what is wrong with them? Pretty okay, my eye. It's not even okay. They can talk crap as long as they keep listening. That's all good. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, you know, we're not doing this for for the numbers. That is for sure. Whatever. I mean, this is bringing in the hundos. This this podcast is hundos of what? <laughs> like <laughs> that's my question because it's not dollars. Insert whatever you want. Hundos of Ziploc baggies. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that's probably accurate, really. That, that probably, probably is, accurate. is accurate. Orange slices, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I haven't gotten any in a while. I tried, so we were out at Ollie's, you know, that pinnacle of market tonight. And I'm like, oh, look, they have some, some orange slices in like a tub. And it was real cheap, like two ninety nine. They were terrible. Thankfully, my kid likes them because gross. They are not Speedway orange slices. But what is? What right. is really? Uh, right, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah, we don't. We definitely. I was telling Jason that it's we don't do this for the numbers because it's just so much pressure. Like when stuff goes viral, then everyone's like watching your stuff, and then everybody feels like they have an opinion. I mean, not that you guys don't have an opinion. We just don't really have to listen to it at this point. So it doesn't matter. Like we just keep doing whatever we're doing. We're like, ah, they don't listen. They don't listen. I guess. Now we have two secret Facebook pages of people blasting us. <laughs> uh, let's just let them add up. Oh, speaking of secret Facebook pages, not so secret postings. The other Jason out there in the hashtag riveted group, you, like I mentioned, you better check yourself where you wreck yourself. Like all backing up Jason, like filling his his head with these silly ideas about like... <laughs> Like I'm my own man, I can do what I want. Saying whatever he wants, and I'm so mean to him. Who do you think you are? Come say that to my face. (laughs) Can't believe it. Definitely not a fickle favorite. I gotta have one supporter. I mean, come on. You have plenty of supporters. I support you, babe. I'm talking about uh, beside you. Oh, so I don't matter? No, that's not what I said. Jason, I need your help. (laughs) Don't you dare. <laughs> Don't you dare. I will find you. I will pull a Liam Neeson. No. Hey, hey. It's getting a little little heavy in here. He d- I'm just not like talk creepy into the phone. Like, I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> oh, I got you. All right. I will like come by and like shake my finger disappointedly at you. Like, that's really how far it goes. I, I like to use the term bite my thumb. I do. That's Shakespearean. I know. I like it. It's my favorite Shakespeare thing that he says. Which is my jam. So many, so many of the things we say come from Shakespeare. Does a doornail. I know. But I like by my thumb. By the pricking of my thumbs? Yes. I do. I And I think I need to bite my thumb at people more often than I do. It, <laughs> it's a true expression of how I feel. Yeah. 
So this week's podcast not going to be any better than last week. I just want to we're going to point that out right now. So we set the bar low. Low. Yeah, we're starting off on a high note already. So uh, <laughs> dream big. We might as well move on to news because witty banter is not. Ha- oh, zany witty banter. That never happens. No, but zany banter uh, probably not. So news. I actually talked at length about a game last week and then I thought it was canceled, but, and then it wasn't, but it was, but it really wasn't. And (laughs) that game is Carnegie. Um, So I think they had changed like the amount they wanted to fund for or something. And at one point they had kind of canceled the Kickstarter and started a new one. So because of all of that craziness, um, there are eight days left on this campaign. And this game looks amazing. Um, so it's based on the life, roughly, of Andrew Carnegie. Um, He's an immigrant from Scotland when he was young. Kind of like then fulfilled the American dream. Became this big um, giant of industry. And not only did he make a lot of money, he also donated a lot of money. And so we have like the Carnegie libraries, like part because of the donations that he made, the philanthropic things that he did um, with the money that he made. So in the game Carnegie, you are kind of living Carnegie's life. You are um, kind of moving out, setting up communications. You're connecting these cities in like your network of business. You've got employees, they're out in the field, some are at the home office, you have like your own player board with like departments on it. And it has this really, what I think is a cool mechanic for choosing um, your actions. There's I think there's four different actions, but in almost like a Vitella Serta style, the actions then trigger other actions. So I think there's only maybe 20 rounds. And you make one action choice per round. But every time you make an action choice, that action is triggered for everyone else. So more things are happening than just, you know, one action. But it still is really tight because you have to make sure that you have, you know, the employees available when someone else triggers a different action so that you can make the most of the actions that aren't yours. Um, You are pulling in your money. You are also donating because... Donating while costing you a lot of money actually has a lot of in-game points for you, again, in Carnegie fashion. Um, You can, uh, if you have your departments full of active workers, when certain actions are triggered, the workers that you have active in those departments can then kind of fire off and do their own thing. So it looks like it's full of a lot of really good, cool choices. And it looks like it has definitely the potential for... Lots of different paths to victory, which y'all know that I love. Now, the thing that's not so great about this is the price point. It is 80 bucks for a basic backing. But there is a ton that you get in this, and it looks so cool. So that is Carnegie, eight days left on the Kickstarter when this podcast drops, and $80 for the pledge. Yeah, this game looks really good. It looked good last week, too. <laughs> it um, did. But it, but it looks just as good this week as well. Uh, if it it's the designer of Twa, which I like and you don't like, I don't. But this game looks like it. It looks more like it came from one of the Italian designers. Just the way the board looks and all the stuff that's going on. But man, that eighty bucks, Eno Tool, 
you're a good guy. You have some good art. Yeah. But you're going to have to take a back seat if you're going to make all these games cost a lot of money. You don't know that Ian O'Toole is the reason that it costs so much money. Like, he's, like, charging a premium or anything. I don't know that, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Ian O'Toole, since you're never going to listen to this podcast, but if you ever do... I love you, okay? And I don't think you're driving at the prices of board games. You are not going to be the scapegoat for me. But this game looks awesome, so send me a free copy. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when I was looking for news on Kickstarter, there's a lot right now of really cool dice out there on Kickstarter also. Um, and I, I didn't pick any of those but there's like some metal edge dice that are really pretty. Um, the board game pinup Mandy mentioned some unicorn dice that are out there. There's these sea glass dice out there that I saw. There are some gorgeous dice sets out there. Like, I need more dice. But, oh, my gosh, I'm obsessed with how pretty they are. Um, And there's also a lot of really neat little 5E kind of expansions out there. Or um, little, I don't know if they're all one-shots, but small campaign add-ons and stuff that I think are really cool. One thing that is neither of those things, but related to D&D, which is one of my passions, there's an owlbear plushie out there on Kickstarter. It's just called Owlbear Plush on the Kickstarter. This thing is freaking adorable. I, oh my gosh. Like, I don't know how you picture an owlbear, but if like... Disney made a movie about a baby owlbear that got domesticated um, by a lonely princess or something. It would look like this little plushie. It looks so soft and cute and squishy and just adorable. There are 16 days left on the Kickstarter um, to get your owlbear plush. That's just for the... uh, And then for just the regular pledge, it's $35, which seems like a lot for a plush. I get that. However, you also get like a digital pack with the Owlbear plush, um, which has like some artwork, a wallpaper. It even has a, a one shot, a D&D one shot along with it about Owlbears. Um, some other neat things. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why. Uh, in Lords of Waterdeep, another game that I really like, one of the contracts that you can do is called Domesticate Owlbears. And <laughs> I was in a D&D campaign one time where there was an owlbear, like, t- like, chained up inside this keep. And I didn't want to fight it. So I was like a selfie monk. So I wanted to free it. And I was like, hey, I asked our ranger if he thought he could domesticate it. Um, but he was not interested in helping me out to domesticate my owlbear. So I had to set it free. But since then, I've had a soft spot for owlbears. His name was Greg, if you wanted to know. That's why I named that Albert. Um, But you should check out the Kickstarter if you love cute, random things like myself. The Albert plush has 16 days left on Kickstarter, and it's $35. It is really cute, but it do- it's not intimidating at all. So if I ran across that in the woods, I wouldn't be scared. Well, but it's a baby. Even less reason to be scared. But when it gets big, it's big. But it's still going to have a cute little fluffy body and a cute little fluffy head. Uh, I don't think his head will be, be yeah, but it'll have like a big sharp beak and like talons. They have big talons. talons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, this plushie is really cute. Not for $35, but it's really cute. You get other stuff too. I know. I'm not going to get it. That's fine. Wouldn't that be the cutest Valentine's Day gift, guys? If Jason would get me an owlbear plush. 
he's carrying a heart. He says, I only have owls for you or something like that. Your puns are not good. It's not good. I was trying to do it off the top of my head, okay? A, a quality pun game takes some work. I, I thought that that was like what you ate for breakfast, like dad jokes. They're, they've become part of your <laughs> DNA now. Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently not. So yeah, that's all the news I wanted to mention today, and I think that's enough. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to talk about some games that we played, and we got some interesting ones on this one. Um, and the first one we're going to talk about is Clue, but not Clue. It's Clue, the Great Museum Caper, 1991. That's a fine year. That's a fine year for board gaming. <laughs> not really. <laughs> so this is a, a effectively an all-versus-one game. Um, there's one person playing the thief trying to go into this museum and steal some paintings. They're trying to shut down cameras um, and get out of the museum before the rest of the players can find them. And the other players are going to be moving around the board trying to ask the thief questions. If a camera can see them, if they can see them, maybe they'll get the motion detector and that can tell them what color room they're in. Or maybe they can get, uh, I forget what the other one is, the scanner. Yeah which will also let them know some information that I can't remember. They, it scans all of the cameras. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. It'll let you know if any cameras have been cut or whatever from the thief. This game is really cool. Um, playing the thief is kind of intense because no one knows where you are on the board until they do, and then you put your pawn on the board and you're moving around and they're just trying to catch you. Um, it feels a little Scotland Yardish, but it's way faster, and it was way more fun, in my opinion. So I like this game quite a bit. Glad that I could finally find a copy that's not outrageously priced. And I got to play it. So what did you think about Clue, the Great Museum Caper? It definitely is not should not be said in that tone. Um, yes, it should. Stop. No, it shouldn't. The, the game is not intimidating at all. Um, it came out when I was eight years old, and I probably could have played it eight years old. I did not play The Thief, um, which I think is a good thing because I, I don't know if I could do it, <laughs> to be honest. Just because I don't, I don't think I'm good at that. And it does remind me of Scotland Yard like a lot, which I didn't enjoy. This one's a little bit better. Um, but A I'm, lot better. Yeah. I'm fairly good at reading people. So I have a good, I'm, I'm pretty good at like trying to pin down where someone is or in the, the general vicinity. And then my, uh, the other players who are, much more pointed in their actions can really help like get the thief. <laughs> um, so I don't know if I'd be a good thief or not, but I like that you're rolling the dice and that tells you how far you can move and what like special action you have. Um, I think it's a really fun interaction between the thief and the, the players. Um, you're doing cool stuff that like gives you a hint of where the person was and or is for a while without giving it away. So then you're trying to like think, okay, so if they were here and stole this painting, that means they can be only be like this far away. So they could be here, here, here. Like, where do we think they are? Um, which is like, a, I think that's a really cool, I think it's a cool thing. And it's, it's a nice kind of deviation of deduction than what, regular clue is so i think it it would be nicely accessible for people that don't like regular clue as much and the theme is just cool like that's yeah. what i love a lot 
the theme is cool and the board looks really awesome it's like this big plastic museum with paintings that are on like standees it's cool it's yeah cool. it's three-dimensional which is you know like a, a novelty thing which of course you know we're into with these old games that's kind of what you get but I, the old I, games I like with it. the gimmicks are awesome yeah i i think maybe i'll have to try it as the thief i might suck real bad but yeah it's intense you did you did a good job i did i lost real bad but you did but <laughs> i got stuck in a room a room with one door and i couldn't get out <laughs> <laughs> that was, was poor bad. planning on your part it was poor planning i didn't look around and we almost got brandon but we did yeah we did you didn't lock the other the other thing like you should have how we know he'd be in that room? We didn't know that. I know, but the probability of like... I you can't lock every door. I know you can't. But yeah, Clue, Clue, the Great Museum Caper is a good game. If you can find it or you know somebody that has it and you like, you know, one versus all or you like Clue but you want it to be a little bit different, definitely try this because it was fun. Yeah, and then also there's that cooperative element if you're not the thief, which is nice where you can bring in like new gamers or kids, um... Because, like, Rory was sort of playing along with us, and she felt included even though she wasn't, like, directly playing. So, that's nice about that, too. All right, so next up is a game that's not cooperative, and it's a little dice-chucking game from Big G Creative, and it's called Bluffineer Dice Game. Why is everything, like, diehard with a vengeance right now with you? (laughs) In a world like that, is that what you're talking about? Yes, you're being ridiculous. <laughs> so, Bluffineer Dice Game is um, a dice rolling game that has these really interesting little dice. I did a YouTube video of this, so you can check it out if you want to. The dice are shaped like bones, so you're really rolling the bones, which is pretty neat. Uh, so, they're effectively like four sided dice. I think there's four different pictures on each die. And you're going to roll them, and based on what comes up on the pictures, is going to give you an action. There's a treasure map that if you roll two of the same symbols, you can do an action, and everybody loses some stuff. Or you may have a card in your hand that matches the symbol on the die that no one knows. You can flip that card, all other players lose a coin. But if you don't can't match the doubles or you can't play your own card, everyone else can say that they have those symbols on their card, and you either have to believe them and pay them a coin, or you can call out their possible bluff and if they're telling the truth, you pay them some coins. And if they're lying, they have to pay you a coin. You're just trying to be the person with the most coins left when one person runs out of coins. It's simple. It's stupid. It kind of feels like um, a dice version of Coup a little bit, but probably not as good. So what did you think about Bluffineer? Uh, it was okay. I actually think this we we played it with just three. And I think it'd be much better with more players because... Otherwise, you're, like, always thinking, okay, well, I got a bluff this time. I got a bluff again. Like, I, I don't, I didn't love that. So I think if we had more people playing, it would have been better. Because then half the time I'm like, well, I don't really want to say anything. But if I don't say anything, we're doing nothing on, in this game. Yeah, that's true. If you, It goes up to six. I'm looking at the box. So I think if you had six people, there would definitely be more tension of, well, somebody, the probability is good that somebody has this card. So right. I don't necessarily not believe you, but I don't believe you either. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, it was okay. You were like really into it for some reason. I liked it. I liked. I like games like that. I, they're silly. The lion games I, I like a little bit, even though I'm terrible at it. Yeah, that's what I can't understand. 
Um, I like when the symbols on the dice match and you get the, those special powers happen. I wish stuff like that happened more. That's true. That didn't really happen a lot, like a couple times, mm-hmm. which is weird. Yeah. Right. Which, I mean, of course, you can't predict because it's dice rolling. But um, I think that kind of helped make it better with just the three of us. So if that occurrence would have happened more, it would have worked out better. But, yeah, I would definitely want to play this at a full player count um, in order to actually kind of enjoy it. Yeah, I agree. The dice were definitely the coolest part, for sure. All right. So the last game is a game from Weird Giraffe. And it is a game about street musicians in New Orleans playing different moods of music to different crowds of people. And it is called Big Easy Busking. And I had the hardest time saying that. Like, I don't know. It comes out really terrible. It took me like 19 takes on the video to get that right. <laughs> to say busking? No, Big Easy Busking all listed to get, like, oh, together. Big I was easy struggling busking. with. I see. Yeah. So this is a, effectively an area control game where you're sending out, you're playing different songs to different crowds. And by when you play a song, you're taking cubes off of your musicians based on the quantity of each musician type on that card. And you're sending them to the location. It's representing energy because when you play a song, you get tired and all that. Um, and then once there's um, everybody's passed, you're going to count up the cubes on the cards. Whoever has the most is going to get first place. Everybody that has a certain amount of cubes on the cards is going to get some other kind of money. At the end of the game, you're just trying to be the person with the most money. Uh, there's some other cool mechanisms where you can tip your musicians. Uh, when musicians get tips, they like to keep playing. They like to keep going because that's what it's all about is getting the cash monies, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what that's like because we don't get a ton of cash monies uh, when I'm playing. But but you do have a tip bucket and everything, which I think is ridiculous. That's true. We do have a tip bucket. We made 100 bucks one time in tips. That's crazy. That's a hundred bucks split like a hundred ways is like a right, dollar. Right. That dollar, the extra dollar. <laughs> I paid for your Diet Coke. Yep. So uh yeah, this game has some cool artwork. I also did a video on YouTube. You can check it out if you want to. Um it has some cool artwork. It has some the rule book was not as clear as I would have liked, but once you get into it, the gameplay is pretty simple. So what did you think of Big Easy Busking? So at first I was like, what the heck? Because Yes, I I was not feeling the rules. It was a rough time. But once you figure out how to play the game, like there is a lot of really interesting choices and um, ways, things to consider and ways to really um, maximize what you're doing in this game. Now, my problem was area control. And I hate area control so very much. So, so very much. Because I have zero chance of ever winning it. And I'm not even joking. Like, people are like, oh, surely not. No, it is absolutely true. I cannot win air control. Um, so that's why I don't like it. Because there's just no chance. And I'm like, if there's no chance, why am I playing? But this one, there were like, like, I did not win. But I was not too far off because I was able to do other things to get money. Because the person with the most money. So... You're wanting to be able to, like, you You only have a limited number of energy cubes for your music, musicians. And so you even need that energy to learn new songs as well as perform them. And so um, for me, like, sometimes it's like, okay, well, I'm definitely not going to win the area majority here. So if that's the case, you can redirect so that some of your musicians come back to you in case you aren't going to win. And so then you can use them again, which is really cool. So there are these really neat strategies that you can do. Um, you also get money for, um, oh, I forget what they call it. There's the, 
Mood? No, the majority bonus, and then there's the other money that you get. Threshold. Threshold. Cube threshold. So if you meet, like, there's certain criteria of as many cubes or energy you put into a song, um, or at, at a particular, like, for a particular crowd, you can get money that way. And so it's like looking, like, okay, if you're not going to win area majority, then looking for the ones that give you a good threshold bonus and only putting your threshold up there and taking the rest of your cubes back so that you can use them like really effectively. Um, and I, I really liked thinking through those as the game went on, as the rounds went on um, to like maximize those things and see what kind of potential was there for that, which I thought was, was a really cool part of the game. I would totally give this another go um, and try it out again because I think it, it was really, it was really pretty cool. I liked it. Yeah, and I always like games about music and band themes, so even if the game wasn't as good as it is, it would still be better to me because I like that theme. So That's true. I, I just I really did end up liking it a lot more than I thought I, I would at first. So that I it's nice to be surprised by a game every now and again. Yep, it was nice. All right, so that is three of the games we played. There were more, but you don't care about the other ones. <laughs> these are the cream these are the cream of the crop. So oh. that's why we talked about it. Yeah, you know, Jason, he's only picking out the most excellent things. (laughs) I only talk about the best of the best. Yep. Forget that other crap. (laughs) We're playing 100 games a weekend, but y'all are never going to know. Because it's just not that great. You only get my highlights, or what that means is the ones I want to talk about. (laughs) Right. I know we're playing games, and I'm like, wait, didn't we play something else? And Jason's like, "Eh, we're not talking about that. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, we only talk about three, and we play a lot of the same the games that we've talked about before because I like playing the old games too. So that's true. That's true. these are games we hadn't played before that we did play, so that's why they're on the list. Yeah, because we know how to make a list. It's not always oh, let's pick our favorite games that we played this weekend. Let's pick the games that people want to hear about. That wasn't a jab directly at Dan, but he doesn't <laughs> listen to our podcast, so I can talk about him if I want to. These three games have snow in them, <laughs> so they're clearly winter games. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so enough ragging on them. Um, let's go to Anticipates Games of 2021, because I cannot type <laughs> an outline. <laughs> so I'm not sure what Jason's going to talk about um, on the podcast today, but I was planning on talking about um, my most anticipated games of 2021. Which is actually a surprising topic for me because I never know any games until they kind of just jump out and surprise me when I'm browsing through Kickstarter or they show up at my front door because Jason's told me apparently about them five times and I don't remember that conversation or it was on some, you know, board game review video that I, of course, don't watch. But for you guys, I thought, Katie... You need to get yourself together and look at the most anticipated games. Look forward. Look forward. Figure some stuff out. And Jason sent me like a list of a billion games that was posted on BGG. And I was like, wait, I have heard of some of these. I do have anticipation. So we're each going to talk about five games that we're looking forward to in 2021. And then there's some honorable mentions because I honestly found a lot of games that I'm excited about. Now, when they happen... I might not be as excited about them, but right now, they sound pretty cool. So, Jace, you want to get us started? Yeah, so you know how much we buy into hype here, and we love hype. So <laughs> right. I want to talk about my first 
super hyped game. And um, this is the newest game coming out from Vital Lacerda. You know we love Uncle and Vito. And we do love Uncle Vito. And this one's called Weather Machine. Now, before I get too much into this, I was looking at the BGG page. This has a weight rating of four out of five. Holy crap. That is super heavy. I think like the heaviest game that we have might be like 4.2. So four is super heavy. What's that? An um, acronym or? Uh, I don't know. I, pro- I think it's like Lisboa or something. I'm not sure. But th- there's something that we have that's above a four. I've looked it up. So what what Weather Machine is, it's a tile placement game. That's what it says the only mechanism is, but it's a VTAL game, so that clearly can't be true. Like one person will place a tile, and then you <laughs> they can take, that triggers three other actions, and then you also could take two other actions on their turn based right. on the action they took. Right. So Weather Machine is a game about uh, you're trying to, I think, get rid of like climate change or something, natural disasters. You're trying to, you know quell the frequency of natural disasters or something like that and you're each going to take the place uh take the role of an executive of different companies interested in selling weather machine services from light lighting technologies well that should probably be lightning i don't know but it says lightning and you're going to be just trying to it's set in steampunk you're going to be placing tiles there's buying resources there's feeding a machine there's shooting there's a shoot machine which looks like it sends out different types of weather which is interesting you're going to get contracts complete company contracts work on goals sell some plans and sell and buy company shares that's that's the piece that i like the least i'm not i don't care about that part but selling and buying resources converting them fulfilling contracts that's my jam and vtol's games with the exception of maybe co2 are you know ones that i would gladly play at any time so Weather machine, super pumped. Yeah, the thing that looks cool is that they the action selection is like the quadrille that they have in Vinos, um, which I I actually really kind of like. So I think that'll be cool to see that again as well. And that is what I think part of what makes Vinos difficult, also. Yeah, because you can only move to the space next to you, and you want to go all the way across the board. Yeah, <laughs> right. But nobody has any money because you can never get any money in his games. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. That it is. Yeah, it sounds cool. Um, there's no, like, they have some artwork for it, but they don't say who the artist is. The, if that's the cover art, it's hideous. Um, but the it's the art on the actual board is kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll be in O'Toole and it'll be $150, but... Probably. It, the, and the board looks huge. It's, it's probably going to look nice when they're done. I wouldn't hold any of that against them right now. Okay, yes. Um, yeah, I'm... I love Vital in general. Like, I don't even know. I don't know if I like him or his games better. Like, this, <laughs> he just seems like a great dude. Um, so, other designers that we really like and games that we really like. Um, the first one I want to talk about is actually an expansion. And so, I don't know if that's a cop out, but I'm I can be excited about expansions. I think, right? Yeah, you can be excited about whatever you want, and I'm not going to tell you no because I may or may not have an expansion coming later. Hmm, cool. Glad we've agreed on that. Um, and this one, I think we actually did back this because there's no way in the world I could let Jason not back this. Yes, we did back this. Yes, um, And that is the Grand Austria Hotel expansion. Let's waltz. So y'all know I love, love, love Grand Austria Hotel. It's one of my favorite games. It's that 
dice drafting and the dice and the number the number of them and what they are determines what actions you can take and the amount of them determines how strong that action is which i think is a really cool mechanism um you are getting guests you're fulfilling their their orders and putting them in hotel rooms you're trying to fill up your hotel it's so fun so now they've got like a let's waltz where you get a ballroom um there's like a there's several different modules for expansions, celebrities, um, hotel entrances, more emperor tiles, more staff cards. Like it just is like the first big expansion. They're also offering upgrades with this one as well um, for like resource tokens and wooden player markers. But I already have stinking awesome resources anyway uh, already, so I don't need those. But Grand Austria Hotel, I love the game so much. Why wouldn't I want more? And that looks is exactly what this looks like. It's just like, let's take what's great about Grand Austria and make more of it. So that is my first one. Grand Austria Hotel. Let's waltz the expansion. Yeah, that'll be exciting. I can't wait till that shows up whenever that is. It says 2021, but who really knows? Well, yeah, there's another like 11 months or... 10 months of 2021, so... It took, like, three weeks for a Christmas card to get here, so... <laughs> That's true. I wouldn't count on, you know, getting this game here in 11 months. Yeah, but we can hope. All right, so the next one I'm going to talk about, I'm not going to drag out too long, because Katie talked about it in news, I think, last week. And this one's called Darwin's Journey, and it is from some Italians. Yes. Not the Italian, but one... Two of the different Italians. He who shall not, not be named. Yes. Not he who shall not be named, but two other ones that I guess are all right. And, uh, <laughs> or they're at least keeping the racist opinions to themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, this is a worker placement game where you're trying to um, recall Charles Darwin's memories of his adventures through the Galapagos. You heard Katie Spiel last week. I'm not going to go into it. But the reason that it's on this list is the board kind of reminds me of like Newton-esque a little bit where there's Mm. two separate boards. It looks like there's one board where you're moving up tracks and one board where you're moving around a map to do some things. And that's appealing to me. And the look of it just looks like something that I need to play right now. So if I was just looking at this game in a picture and I didn't know anything else about it other than it was designed by two Italians, I would be super excited. So that's effectively all I know. So I'm super excited. So the second one, that I'm pumped for Darwin's Journey. Yeah, and I can already say that once you play this, all Jason will be doing is paying attention to the map movement portion because he gets so excited about like, oh, let's go to all these new places. And That, that like, is correct. Hey, you forgot all this other stuff that you need to do. <laughs> that is correct. In-game points? Nope. Okay. <laughs> nope. I want points now. I don't want points later. <laughs> I mean, I want points later, but I'm not going to get any. <laughs> but I've forgotten to <laughs> do anything to get them. So, yep. sure. Um, my next one, I try, so when I pick lists for us, I try to vary what's on my list. I mean, yes, I'm going to pick stuff that I do like, but I also know that there's, you know, you guys like different stuff. And so I want to give that to you. So the next game is maybe a little different for us, but I think it looks really cool. And this game is called Adventures in Neverland. Um, it's by Black Box Adventures. And what really intrigued me about this is, first of all, it's based on J.M. Barry's Peter Pan, the story, which is great because I love literature. Um, 
of course. But I liked that you can be the characters like Peter and Captain Hook. Um, but you and you get your own deck, it seems like, for your character. Um, like an adventure. You have like your own adventure deck. So you can play like competitively as your character kind of going along in this like engaging narrative adventure or there's also like a cooperative play deck in it so the characters can play together and so I think that that's so cool this idea that you have this cool story where I can either play it like against other people or we can play an adventure together and there's some cool like detailed miniatures of people that you can be it looks like Captain Hook and Tinkerbell and uh, there's tarot-sized story cards and they've got these um, really nice like wooden tokens, the crocodile, he's got some stuff, um, fairy dust, you got some NPC standees, the Jolly Roger, it's got game trays. Um, then you can get like additional stories so that you keep like you can just keep playing. Like there's a replayability of, to it, which I know is like always a big thing with story games, but you can choose different like ways to go. So you can play the game more than once as different people. And I think that that's just really, really cool. Like I, I do love story-based games and Jason doesn't, so I don't get to play them very often, but, um, this looks like something I would totally dig. So that is Adventures in Neverland. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> okay, I get it. <laughs> no, people like these games. They're just not for me. I Even like playing through Clank Legacy, the story part, I just wanted to get through that and just get to the next part. It's just not my thing. I don't care. I just want to play the game. I want mechanisms. I don't care about the story. But there are people that like this. And if you like this, it sounds cool. So don't listen to me. Go do what you want to do. All right, so the next one I want to talk about is a game that has clear cards. There's not a ton of those games, but I like to play them because I think it's interesting. And that game is called Canvas. And um, this is a game... Who is this from? Let's see. This is from uh, Road to Infamy Games. And it's like just fulfilled Kickstarter, so it's out out in the world. Yes, it is out in the world. People are playing it. Um, So what you're doing in this game is you are drafting some cards, some clear cards cards that are going to have a piece of a painting on them and they're also going to have some symbols at the bottom what you're trying to do is you're trying to get three of these cards to layer on top of each other so you're going to have a stack of three cards and the symbols that you can see at the bottom through all the cards are the symbols that you're going to be able to score when you complete this painting i don't really know how that works i haven't watched a ton on this game i just know that the mechanism is the layering of cards and drafting so it seems like you're trying to fulfill some contracts by getting these cards, getting the different types of symbols, showing up the way you want to score the most points. And the game's going to end when just someone has scored three paintings. So it seems like it's pretty quick. It's not going to outstay its welcome. And the paintings from the pictures that I see on BGG look really good. So this seems like a, a little like light game that you could play with anybody and just have a good time. So the third one I wanted to talk about is Canvas. Yes, it is a much a lighter game. And the cool thing, it is beautiful. Like the box art is gorgeous. So they've made the picture on the cover. So it wraps around the sides. So it really looks like a piece of canvas is painted on. And there is actually a hole in the back of the box. So you can hang it up like artwork. 
Wow, that's awesome. Where'd you see that? Is that? That doesn't say that on the BGG page, does it? No, but I watched this little, I don't know, like show called The Board Game Rundown, where they talked about this game. Oh, I don't watch that show. And showed it. And I was like, that is really interesting. Yeah, that is cool. I actually see a picture on BGG of somebody with it hanging on the wall, too. That's cool. Yep. That's awesome. I know something. I did my research. I came to play today, people. Some of the player pieces are like the little, um, what's that thing called that you hold in your hand to put the paint on? Palette. Yeah, they're like the little palette pieces that look really neat, too. So it has some cool pieces, not just cool clear cards. Yes, and it does play fairly quick, is what they were saying. And I'm pretty sure they're working on a review and a playthrough. So if you are friends with us, they are our friends at the Board Game Rundown. And they, I think they're going to do a playthrough on this on their YouTube channel. So check it out. That's awesome. I might actually watch that one because I'm interested in this game. I mean, I'm not going to watch it because I already watched <laughs> them talk about it. And I don't really watch YouTube videos about games. But I can't, I can't watch them too much. Come right, on, right. Crazy. I mean, like once every couple of weeks is as much as I can manage. And after about 45 minutes, I'm like, okay. I think we've said all that needs to be said here. Why is Dan still talking? That's what they think about us when we have our hour and 15 minute long episodes. <laughs> They're like, why? Gosh, after, after 25 minutes, are they still blathering on? Come on. Who told these people? <laughs> well, that's true. Although someone, it wasn't one of them, did say that I was annoying. So Yeah, that was somebody on YouTube. We just ignore those comments. Who cares? <laughs> I don't care. I am annoying. It does. You're not hurting my feelings for telling me something I don't know. They're not in on the joke. It's fine. On the joke that I'm annoying and people just tolerate no, the it? No, oh. the joke that our podcast is a joke. <laughs> okay. That joke. That we are not in it for the subs. Yeah. Uh, so the next game I want to talk about is a follow-up. It's, I guess, to a game that I love because I really like games from Emperor S4. And I really like small box games. And... Of course, I love games that are Asian-themed and ones that include geishas. And so this is Hanmakoji Geisha's Road. So it is not an expansion to Hanmakoji, but its own standalone game. And in this, you... Because um, Hanmakoji is a, is a street in Kyoto, so it's not like they have the license. Like, the game is... The name of the game is not just tied up in it, I guess I want to say. This game, you own a restaurant and you're trying to kind of, you're trying to get business into your restaurant by um, scheduling really famous geishas to perform, you know, to play or um, sing or, you know, tea ceremony, all the things that geishas do. Again, I want to let everybody know, geishas are not prostitutes. Um, So you're going to schedule them to be entertaining at your restaurant so you can get the most points. Um, it is like an area majority kind of influence game. Um, so I I don't know how I feel about that, but I think Hanamakoji in general, like the original is as well. And I, I do like it. Yeah, so. it's a little bit. It's like a tug of war type thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it'll be, it'll be okay. But again, the artwork looks gorgeous. Um, I love that idea of, again, like, okay, how do I make this schedule work for me? Um, it's not like engine building, but okay, how do I make what I have come out at the right time, you know, to maximize on my points? Like I do like that kind of strategic thinking. So I'm excited to see this. And again, it is so 
stinking beautiful. So that's um, Hanamakoji Geisha's Road. Yeah, I only heard you talk about this before. I haven't looked it up, but I do like the art from regular Hanamakoji, and if it's similar to that, I would play it. Sounds cool. All right, so the next one I'm going to talk about is the reason I didn't give Katie crap about the expansion, because this is an expansion. And this is Marvel United, the Infinity Gauntlet. So I like Marvel United. It's a cooperative game that is really fun and has some, uh, you know, it's not hard to play. It's not hard to teach, but it can be kind of hard to win. Yeah. So this one, what this is going to add, well, Infinity Gauntlet. So clearly Thanos is coming into play. But this is going to add like a four game epic game. So you're going to be fighting Thanos's children. And then if you can get through all of them, you're going to be fighting Thanos to try to not let him snap half of humanity away. So it's basically like a campaign mode is what it feels like for United that maybe amps up the difficulty a little bit. And I'm sure it's going to add some different characters. It doesn't say this here other than Thanos. So I don't know who else it's going to add, but probably some more good guys too. But even if not, just having those four extra games and some baddies to fight is cool to me. And I want to play this. So Marvel United, the Infinity Gauntlet, one that I'm hoping to play at some point. Yeah, and I love Marvel United because it the artwork is chibis. And I think that's the most adorable thing. So I'm excited to see cute little adorable like fat chibi Thanos. Because <laughs> I I love stuff, yeah, stupid stuff. On like the that. box cover, he looks kind of ridiculous. I know. I just love it when they're so cute. So <laughs> he, he doesn't look ferocious at all because he's got a little chibi head. But, you know, it, it is what it is. The, the Infinity Gauntlet is still serious. Sure. Sure it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, my So my last game was the two-player. So I've tried to do like a story-based game, an expansion, a two-player game. Now this is a card game, and I got to say, this game could be complete crap, um, but I am so into the IP, and that is the Librarian's Adventure card game. So I love the Librarian's TV show and um, the movies. They're just like that kind of campy... um, like treasure hunting kind of thing that I, I I really think I really like. So in the card game, you are playing the characters. It's like a one to four player. It's a co-op, um, which I also like to try and pick games that could maybe be played solo. Um, so you, you are playing these, like, I think they aren't going to expand with other characters, but some four main characters are librarians. They each have different power. I don't want to say powers, but... What, what's a better word for them? Powers like skills, well, strengths, got, and weaknesses. Skills. Yeah, play yeah, you style. got Christian Kane who punches people in the face. You got uh, well, in that one, he's not as much punching people in the face. He like knows a lot of languages and history and stuff. John John Larroquette who can go wherever he wants to go. Yeah, the one girl like can do mathematics in her head, even though she has like a brain tumor. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep, yep, yep. Um. So, but you are like using you're like overcoming challenges with like the different. Um, skills that your different group members have and resolving actions, actions with like these, these dice that are like unique to the characters and stuff. And the dice actually take into account your character skill and the difficulty of the action, which I think is really cool. And so you're drawing cards and like kind of constructing a deck to work with your characters. Um, so like, I think it starts with, you have Eve Bard, um, Cassandra Cillian, Ezekiel Jones, and, Jacob Stone, 
who happens to be um that's the guy who played Elliot. Um, is there any no Noah Wiley in this? Noah Wiley is not in it. He might be oh. in one of the expansions, but Noah Wiley is the librarian. Well, he's apparently not as exciting as these other people, or maybe he's too like OP. Or yeah, because he w- he was in the show for a little bit though, wasn't he? He was. He would like pop in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I, I like card games. Um, this has almost a deck builder feel, but not. It's cooperative, um, and it's an IP that I really really dig. So that is the Librarians Adventure Card Game. Yeah, I don't love adventure card games, but I do like the Librarians. So I would probably give this one a play because I think. I think when this was on Kickstarter, I mentioned it, that it seemed interesting and I wanted to play it. Yes. So I, I would play it. Yeah, we did talk about it on Kickstarter. All right. So the last one I want to talk about, we can't have an anticipated games list without having some Marty Wallace on here. Oh, I mean, yes. Come on. I anticipate all of his games. <laughs> what kind of savage would I be? Um, so this one is called Anno 1800, or an, I don't know how to say it, A-N-N-O, whatever. And uh, it's based off a video game. I do know that. Um, and I know it's for Marty Wallace. I know it has boats. I know it has artwork that looks like a Marty Wallace game. Woof. And I know that, no pun included, did a video of it. And after I watched the video, I still don't know what the game is about. <laughs> but I looked at some of the pictures on BGG, and it looks like you're trying to like buy these different tiles to make your player board as like a, as the most efficient like engine that you can. And you have some boats, you're probably shipping, there's probably train tracks, there's probably coal, there's probably iron, uh, there's probably brass, maybe some poverty, because um, you got to have poverty. Um, but yeah, I don't know a lot about this game. The bits look cool, the player board and the main board look pretty interesting to me, as far as like a, a Euro game from Marty Wallace goes. And I'm excited about it. Uh, I think it's already out technically in Germany. Germany, yeah. Yeah, but it's not in America yet, so it still counts for me because we can't get it. So when this comes to America, hopefully we'll start seeing more English reviews and I can have a better idea of how this plays and I don't have to just talk about all of his other games that I know and <laughs> pretend like they're this game. So, um, yeah. So Anno 1800, don't know a ton about it except for what I just said earlier, but it looks cool and I'm intrigued by it, so I want to try it. So that's my last one. Uh, yeah, I don't understand why Marty Wallace feels the need to make games about like the dirtiest, grimiest, boringest. It's not the right superlative. Um, Boringest. (laughs) That's how much I think it's ridiculous. I'm even willing to use the wrong one, wrong form there. Um, Age and history, like really, the Industrial Revolution, like what? It's so Dixonian. Dixonian. I don't know if that's how you would say. Like it's like Dickensian. There's a good. I don't know that one either. Marty Wallace makes me like lose my ability to handle the English language. Like I, I like London a lot. I like that game a lot. But all of his games just look so ugly and dry and boring. And I'm like, do you even want people to play your game? Like. Are you interested in attracting any kind of player or uh, Well, if you have you looked at Wildlands? No. That one doesn't look like a Martin Wallace game. It's like a it has really nice art and colors and minis. It definitely doesn't look like a Marty Wallace game. So I think it's just fake most news. Of his he games. probably stole it from somebody else. They put on it. <laughs> That's probably true. He did. I'm sure it's <laughs> probably like a, an Eric Lang game that he let Marty Wallace That's like right. license out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll end up playing this, I guess, but I'd rather not. 
So yes, my, yeah. you would rather play it. No, I would not. What I would rather play is my last game, which is a roll and write. But it's like kind of looks like it's going to be an interesting variation on a roll and write. And it's called Three Sisters. So um, the name Three Sisters comes from that idea of you have these different types of plants that um, have different characteristics that work together to make them grow better. So in this game, the three sisters that you're working with are corn, beans, and pumpkins. So the corn, it grows these tall stalks that allow the beans, like the runner, to go to climb up them up them and beans also are pulling in like good nutrients that they do into the ground and your pumpkins are providing like your ground cover your weed can weed pest control anyway but that's the theme behind it but you're doing some really interesting things in this game so like you've got your field and it's divided into these different zones on your player sheet and they've got the different crop types. Um, but you can also have like fruit and flowers and beehives and a shed with tools that has special abilities. And like the, the crops, the fruit and the flowers and the hives have these mini are represented by mini tracks. So you're like moving up these tracks and like getting bonuses. Um, so you roll the number of dice that's like based on the number of players and they're grouped by the number that you roll. And there's like an action wheel and so this farmer kind of moves around and where the farmer is, you take the action in that wheel. Um, and like the different actions allow you to do different stuff. You draft a die from that. So you get like the action from where the die is. And then you also get like another action um, based on like where the farmer kind of is close. So there's just a lot of different things that I think is really cool. Like there, there's some, it seems like there's more strategy to think about. There's like little tracks, there's bonuses to get. Um, I think that, and there's also a solo mode, which is like a beat your own score kind of. Um, I think it sounds really fun. Like, I think that's, that's super cool. At the end of the round, there's like a bonus action that everybody gets based on whatever the round number is. And so sometimes you can visit the farmer's market or other people can use your shed and you can get rain and water your zones. And so there's lots of different things happening. They just roll, mark off a thing. Okay, next, roll, mark off a thing. So it sounds cool. I like that it's a little bit, the I mean, yes, it's a farming theme. So sue me. Um, but I like that. So my last one of my most anticipated games of 2021 is Roll and Write Three Sisters. I love the farming theme. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm in on that all day. I know. I don't know if it's because we're around. Like, we live in farming country. I don't know. It just seems natural to me. Yeah. It's just a theme. It just, yeah, it just makes sense. <laughs> right. Because especially if you like worker placement and, like, uh, things that like mature as rounds go on uh that's really what growing a garden is like you've got steps and you have to go like do work at different things like i don't know it seems natural yeah. for games but those are our five each of us so our top 10 the top 10 anticipated games from the bg the board game mechanics of 2021 however i couldn't stop with just that i stopped I at five <laughs> Yeah, when Jason sent me the list, I went through a lot of them. All the different sections. Well, I mean, some sections I kind of skimmed over, like the war game section. Yeah, right. You were in that. You looked at every single game in there. You'd like, man, these games look so good. The space section. Barf. 
Was there actually a space section? Yeah, there was. I skimmed over that, I guess. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Train section, um, whatever. I looked, how do you think I found Anno 1800? You found the boring game section? Yes. Super ugly, waste your time playing this game (laughs) section? Okay. Um, Yeah, so... There were a lot, actually, a lot of games I saw that I'm like, this looks cool. I'm excited to to see what happens this year when this comes out. Um, but Jason made me kind of shorten my list for the sake of time. I only made you write five. You wrote 50. It wasn't 50. It was like... 25. 15. <laughs> but... I feel like it's our obligation to bring games to the people. I was bringing the games to the people. So I cut some of the games out, people. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're bringing the games, but not all the games. Some of the games. I'll probably bring some of the other games to you through Kickstarter News once they roll out or once true. we get them or see them or something. Um, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention have some honorable mentions. So the first one I want to talk about is called... Dice Theme Park. And there were several theme park games, actually, um, that are coming out this year. One of them is, like, called Danger Park, where you're actually, like, adding dangers, like, barf and stuff and crazy rides and try not to kill people so that you can get some insurance money and stuff. Um, But Dice Theme Park, what I really think is cool is, of course, running a theme park is a fantastic theme. Um... Like Roller Coaster Tycoon, everyone's like of a certain age's favorite, like computer um, video game kind of thing. But in this one, the dice are acting as the customers in your theme park. So you are setting up like rides and stuff, but they come in, they roll in at a certain number. And as they move around your park, the number on the die is reduced. So you're trying to decide where do I want these customers to come in? You're hoping to bring them in at a high number so that you can really use them to get the most money out of them to get the most people through your park, um, you know, with the, the amount of dice that you have. I think that's a really cool mechanism. I'm excited to see more about it. Um, so dice theme park. All right. We have a couple on here that we actually backed on Kickstarter. Yeah. So I don't know if that makes it anticipated or expected. Well, I am um, anticipating they'll show up at my house this well, year. Well, that's true. We I am anticipating the mail to do their job and bring me these games eventually. So the first one is Genotype, which is from the same company that did On the Origin of Species and um, Shoot uh, Cytosis. I'm like, you know that, I don't know. The science company. I can't remember their name. I'm terrible. I should have written it down. Um... um But this is a worker placement and dice drafting game with some contract fulfillment where you're trying to basically, like, replicate Min... What's his name? Mendeleev? Is that his name? Gregor Mendel. Gregor Mendel. Mendeleev is different. His pea tree, his pea party, his pea pea plants. He had pea plants. pea plant experiment. He was a monk, and he, like, created He grew beer. No, the Punnett Square is the idea. Like, that's where we got it from. Yeah, so to not get too bugged down, worker placement dice drafting game oh, that has some actual, like, you know, science and history behind it, which seems kind of cool, and some interesting art, so we're excited about that. The next one that we also backed... Look, Genius that's two Games, games. by the by. Uh, Genius Games, yes. The next one we also backed, and it's called Moonshine Empire. There's some rednecks. It has some pickup and deliver. There's alligators. You're trying to deliver moonshine Through around without... 
through the swamp without, you know, getting Burmese pythons on you. Um, without um, people stealing it, getting caught by the fuzz. I think there's probably some fuzz. There is. Um, yeah, so this is just a really cool game. It had And Pick Up and Deliver is always fun. So, Moonshine Empire. Now we can come back to you, because I don't know what this next one is. <laughs> yeah, um, those both look good. So, Aqua Garden. I think I talked about this on a Kickstarter review when the Kickstarter was out. Um, you are... It's like a, it's a rondelle, which I think is cool, of aquarium tanks and so you're doing some like set collection and some drafting to get different marine animals in these aquarium tanks to score points Um, each aquarium also has like a very specific um uh oxygen amount so certain like bigger fish are gonna use more oxygen you can't put predators in with their prey or they're gonna be eaten and you're gonna like lose half your tank um the artwork is freaking so, so, so pretty. And I like the idea of, like, managing an aquarium. Like, I think that's cool. Um, so, yeah, that's that's Aqua Garden. Um, another one that I thought was really cool, because, again, I've mentioned that I love Asian-themed games. And this one's called Shogun no Katana. And you're actually crafting swords in this one um, for, like, the local daimyo. So you're doing, it's through worker placement because you've got to get the stuff you need to craft your swords. And again, the Japanese aren't doing it like halfway. They got to be awesome. You also then are using like your family members to kind of help you like, oh, what does the Damio need? Let's like get members into like his court or whatever so that we're, you know, we're aware of what's going on. So you can score points that way. Like, there's a lot of cool little things that look like are going to go on in this game um, as you're crafting your sword. So that's Shogun no Katana. Yeah, I mean, that that does sound interesting. The name has me intrigued a little bit. All right, so next, Caper Europe. Not a lot of information on this from Keymaster. The box kind of looks like regular Caper. There's probably some new mechanisms. The BGG page doesn't give a ton. So I'm going to assume it's like Caper, but maybe updated with some new mechanisms, some new places to steal. Mm-hmm. More goodness that is caper. Um, you want me to talk about Dinosaur World? Yeah. All right, and Dinosaur World, which is going to be the the next game in coming from Panasaurus in their dinosaur universe. We'll call it Jurassic World. And um, <laughs> this is uh, a card drafting worker placement game where you're trying to kind of do similar things in Dinosaur Island, but you're going to be also driving a Jeep around to admire your hard work and you got to make sure that people don't get eaten because running a dinosaur park is scary and risky and you got to keep those dinosaurs in their cages. So yeah, I, there's not a ton on this game really either, but if you like dinosaur Island, this is probably going to be more goodness in that same eighties look. So it's exciting. What I think looks cool about it is that you're not only like creating the park like you did in um, Dinosaur Island, but then you're using like Jeeps to move around it. And so because you're moving around it in Jeeps, you're getting closer to dinosaurs. So you have to be a little more careful about how you do that so that not as many people get, you know, ed up. Looks cool. Um, I totally random by chance saw this game and I don't know if it's been to Kickstarter. I don't know a whole lot about it, but the name is um, Galenus, Galenus, I don't know. But what's really cool is it's about like medicine in ancient Rome. 
And I thought, well, that's a really interesting theme. Um, so, like, you are the doctor, like, Galenus, Galenus, I don't know how he says his name. Really um, kind of famous um, for early medicine developments in Rome, kind of Greco-Roman. Uh, so you, as players, are doctors. And you're trying to be, like, the best young doctor. So you're trying to earn favor in the eyes of Galenus. Um, and he... Of course, like also it says that he like looms over the players, which makes me think that he almost has like a um, like, you know, when when Catholics attack kind of mechanic where he comes and could slap, oh, slap yeah. you around. A good Catholic attack tech. Wait, no, wait. Catholic attack track. track. There you go. Yeah, there we go. I don't know if that's true or not. It doesn't quite say that, but you have like six action. Like, so you take your workers out Um to um you can cure patients and gain knowledge of different um, ailments you're going to publish works about your knowledge you're going to show off your skills in like the operating kind of theater you're going to acquire medicines you you have to rest yourself to rejuvenate your own health um kind of adopt new philosophies about medicine um so like people are putting you're you're putting workers down and then you're also choosing when to resolve them so like different your actions are kind of happening at different times maybe than other players, which I always think is kind of a cool thing when that happens in a game. Cause it's, it's different. It's not like, okay, you do this and I do this and then, okay, resolve, but it's okay. You, you know, you're doing your thing and I'm doing my thing and they might not all be the same time, which again, since I like multiple paths of victory, the idea that I can work on my stuff in a different way than you. And I don't feel pressured to do the same things as you is really great. Um, and then like at the end of these rounds, you do kind of a blind bidding, which is like simulating completing in a medical contest, um, which can give you like more prestige, which are then used um, in your worker placement. So I think that that is like, I love kind of these really inventive, like, less done themes and that seems really cool another really cool theme that i am like wicked excited about is a game called my father's work um and so it looks like it's gonna be a worker placement game and players are mad scientists and you're trying to complete your father's masterwork so you know you're there's essentially like it's like your dr frankenstein's kid or whatever and you're trying to complete his experiments but what's so cool about that is you, when you're playing the game, you are playing the three generations that come after this father. And so when you're, you're work, when you're, you start out, you just get this information that your father willed to you. So you're trying to, you know, run around, get stuff for this experiments. And so, you know, you might, depending on what kind of experiments you're running, you could agitate the townsfolk and they could come, you know, with their torch and pitchforks. So you got to watch out for that. Um, and then you're also trying to acquire enough knowledge. And then you have to have enough to will, you have to have, I'm sure there's some mechanism to will that information or the items you've already created or whatever to the next generation. Because when your character dies, and I'm not sure what determines that, and the next generation picks up, you only have whatever was willed from that previous player. Well, it, I mean, it's you, but that previous kind of turn phase. And I think that is just a really cool concept that not only am I trying to build this monster, which is, you know, a pretty typical, let's do some contract fulfillment, you know, what have you, but I'm also like 
trying to set up my future turns um, for like a future me, which is strange. And uh, I think, I think really thinky and has the potential for being really cool. And also like a really kind of campy, fun, um, you know, light horror kind of theme. And I, I do like the horror themes, even though I do not watch horror movies. So my father's work looks really cool. All right. So I'm going to talk about basically Takedo 2, which <laughs> is called Namiji. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, it sounds right. Um, the board looks similar to, to, to Kaido. You're still going to be moving around in the same, you know, whoever's, however if you, far you go, you can go as far as you want, but you can go backwards, all that type of thing. But it's going to have some different spaces. So you're still going to be collecting different sets, but it's going to have some different things you can do. So you're not just going to do hot springs and, you know, go to the souvenir store. There's going to be other things to do, but the gameplay is going to be similar enough that if you're a fan of Takedo, this one might be a next step for you as it seems a little deeper to me than Takedo. There's not a ton on BGG about it, but the board just seems like it's got a little bit more going on. Uh, and next is Merchant's Cove. So I was just looking this up when you were talking about it. Cause I, even though I looked it up earlier, I was confused. So, this game is going to be an asymmetrical game where everybody has a different um, fantasy merchant with a unique shop. And they're each going to be selling different types of goods. And they're trying to persuade or entice different pirates to come to their island to buy their stuff. And it's going to be done through some dice rolling. It's a rondelle. There's some tiles. The board looks really neat. It's got these cool like different colored orbs that you're using as ingredients to send out to have the people come buy your stuff. It seems interesting. It's from Final Frontier Games, which did um, Rise of Nobility, the um, um, Sherlock, not Sherlock Holmes, what's uh, shoot, Robin Hood game that came out not that long ago. It has really nice art. It just looks really neat. And asymmetric is always cool because you have your own path to victory that no one else is doing. And that's always fun. So that's Merchant's Cove. Yeah, I love the player powers. And finally, which I'm sure Jason's like, why, Katie? Why did you pick all these games after I told you to make it quick? Um, is Museum Pictura. And I really like Museum. We played a really er early version of it um, and own it and do really, really like the idea of, you know, organizing your muse museum, having different exhibits that sort of thing and this museum pictura looks fairly similar from what i can tell at the moment um to museum except it looks like maybe they've streamlined it a little bit um the scoring can happen like intermittently through the game which the scoring is kind of like a bit of a nightmare sometimes in the original game so i'm interested to see what they do with this because i did really like museum and i would love it if they even made it um more accessible so that is museum pictura yeah this does look like a cool um a more streamlined version of museum i'm interested to try it so that was a long and winding road <laughs> of some of our most anticipated games what we are excited about some of them we are drooling over games that are going to come out in 2021 and i think you know we all could use something to look forward to in 2021, since 2020 was a bit of a rough year for a lot of us. So, I blocked it out. <laughs> never happened. 20, <laughs> 2020 was fake news. Oh, man. 
You know what? I I think that there are so many things in life that you can get real upset about or you can just, you know, take with a grain of salt and enjoy the good things that you have. So um, I'm excited that there appear to be some really good things on the horizon in board games for 2021. And I know, I know, I know, I know I've missed some. And some of them Jason made me leave out anyway, so you can blame him for that. But you can also tell us in the comments, what did I miss? What didn't we talk about? And there again, I did mention there are types of games that we really don't play that I did kind of skim over what was coming out in those areas. So feel free to mention them at the bottom of the Facebook post for this episode in our Facebook group, hashtag the riveted, just start a new thread and talk about your anticipated games of 2021. And most of you back more Kickstarters than we do because, you know, Jason can't find the crowbar to open up the dusty wallet with the cobwebs to back a Kickstarter. So I'm sure you guys have Kickstarters that you've backed that are going to fulfill in 2021. And I want to know what you're excited about. Um, And when you get them, definitely post them. Um, You can also post pictures on our Instagram, on the Twitters, you know, tweet that stuff out there. Um, We'd love for that. On our YouTube page, if you listen to our podcast on YouTube... Or hopefully we will also be getting some of these games and doing reviews on them on our YouTube channel. Um, So if you are interested, please talk with us. That is one of our favorite things about, you know, doing this podcast is talking to all of you guys who are playing great games, who are positive, wonderful people. um, And and we really appreciate you so very much. Yeah, you're all right. You're all right. I mean, they're all pretty okay, and I feel like that's really what we're going for here. That's true. We don't, again, we don't set the bar high for our podcast, and we don't set the bar high for the people who listen to our podcast. So, you know. That's right. We're accepting of all of, of everybody. <laughs> yeah. Really. All right. I I clearly have gone on long enough. I'm sure if if Jason could do like one of those old vaudeville hooks and like stick it out here and like yank me out of the podcast i think he totally would don't they do that at carnegie hall carnegie hall yeah isn't there like a no wait what is that you're not not it's when they you do like a talent show and they come out it's that one tv show where they come out with a big hook and they pull you off the stage the gong show no they bring the gong on that one no no never mind arsenio hall what do you i don't moving on vaudeville no (laughs) okay i have no idea what you're talking about yeah, clearly. Everybody's yelling it at the, the radio right no, now. No, they're not. The yes, radio. They, are. they all know exactly what I'm talking about. The radio, okay? Because it's 1972 I was like, are you 12,000 years old? <laughs> <sighs> oh, man. We have reached a low. <laughs> it's late. We are going to bed. Be sure to um, talk to us on one of our many social media accounts. Until then, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. Carnegie Hall. (laughs) Tammany Hall. Oh, wait, that's something totally different. (laughs)